Welcome to Makers Chat, a podcast community for creatives. I'm your host, Danielle Kaminsky, artist, maker, and educator from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Join me as we share our stories and explore the topics that are most important to creative entrepreneurs and makers. Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Makers Chat podcast, and I am here today with my friend, Miss Debbie Beard of DIY Paint Company and Debbie's Design Diary. Hey, Debbie. Hi, Danielle. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. So while we're getting started, if you don't mind, for those of my listeners that maybe haven't met you or heard of you before, would you just tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Um, okay. I do several things. I, um, I have a YouTube channel called Debbie's Design Diary, where I create content to inspire other people to make things. I have a retail store called DIY Agogo, which is, um, we call it, the byline for that is create a beautiful life. So it's a lot of creative supplies, but also things that I think artists would like. I feel like artists like to reflect who they are and the way they dress and the jewelry that they wear and how they um, create their space. So it's kind of a creative lifestyle store. Um, And then I am the owner of DIY Paint, which um, is a wonderful brand of paint that's all natural and clay-based. And um, I sell it to people like you and other artists across the country, other um, small businesses and entrepreneurs. And I love, I think that's my most favorite part is being able to um, connect and inspire with other like-minded People, I just have such a passion for small business, and the paint is kind of a, a vehicle to um, not just sell a great product, but encourage other people who are doing the same thing as I am, and and um, just share ideas and and um, help them troubleshoot with their own business. Yes, and we appreciate it. I love I love the paint, and I love the way that you have just sort of opened it up for it to be this huge collaborative company where we do all just sort of pull our ideas together and and get inspiration from each other. I think that's awesome. Yes, you you all inspire me just watching everybody grow. We've had um, DIY paint for five years now and just looking at um, the last five years and how people have grown and stepped out and try new things. And um, it's, it's just amazing for me as well to, to uh, be inspired by the people around me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So going back a little bit, because you have, I mean, you have a multifaceted creative business now, which is amazing. But like when you were first out of school, like what was the first job you had when you were out of school? Um, let's see. I was, I was assisting in a preschool in college, and then, um, it's a, that's a long time ago, Danielle. Um, let's see. The, I was I was working at the Gap, but I think I was still in in school. And actually, I started making Christmas ornaments and selling them um, to pay for books and things like that. And so. Um, these Christmas ornaments were like my reward and I would go to the craft store and I would buy some supplies and set them on the table and I would tell myself when you get through finals you get to make this and I'd have an idea in my head and so it would be like a piece of cake and um, then I I would do that and then I'm like oh maybe I could sell a few of these and it will help me pay for school and so I made some and sold them to friends and they other people wanted to buy them. And so I thought, oh, I'll do a street fair and I'll see if these ornaments sell. And they did. And so then I became kind of obsessed with craft fairs and the street fairs that were happening in the 80s. This was back in the 80s. <laughs> and I would sell out. And so then I was like, oh, I was just like booking craft fairs every single weekend and making ornaments in between everything else. And I was getting down to the end of college and I thought I was going to be a school teacher. Then I, um, I went out on a limb and I paid for this street fair in Encinitas that was hugely expensive to me. It was a hundred dollars and this is back in the eighties and um, all the craft fairs I had done were maybe 10 or $20 entry fee. And so it was like my savings 
it like it felt like a thousand dollars for a college student and um i signed up for that and oh i sold like four thousand dollars worth of ornaments that afternoon and they were all four and five dollars and people were lining up and my family had to help me and so even though I was getting ready to finish up my college degree and be a teacher, I knew in my heart that that's not where I was supposed to be. And so I started, I, I took that money and I took all of my ornaments to a trade show where store owners come to write orders for their, for their business and fill their shops. And, um, that was, that was four or $5,000 investment which was my entire savings account. Um, but at that show, I wrote $33,000 worth of ornament orders, and I had all summer to fill them because it was took place in the summer. And so um, that kind of overtook my life, and I never looked back. And I wrestled with, you know, you're a quitter. You didn't graduate from college. And then I, I felt like it constantly ate at me, so I looked at going to design school way too expensive. I already had student loans and I just, that was just kind of the, how I started and then um, continued from there. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome though that you, and it's awesome that you found it so early, if that makes any sense. Like, cause I feel like a lot of people, they do finish that degree and they get started in that job and then find out it's not for them before they discover if, if they've got a creative calling. And so the fact that you were able to, to figure out that that was what was for you so soon, I would imagine that really worked to your advantage. It was a lot of fun. I think um, I let the guilt eat away at me. I'd have like recurring dreams of being um, in college, taking a final and not knowing any of the answers. And that continued for like 10 years. So it was like obviously something underlying that I really had to let go of is that, you know, you you dropped out of school and you invested all this money and you're paying off this student loan for something that you're not going to use. But I did apply, you know, the things you learn in college, you can apply to life. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. I think the enemy tries to get us even when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Oh, always, always. And we're all dealing, I think we all deal with different levels of self-doubt. And it's like, if it's not one thing, it's going to be something else. Mm -hmm. So we just tackle our demons and go from there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. So ornaments was your first passion then. How long did you stick with doing ornaments and how, how soon did you realize, mm, I want to, I want to branch out and do a little bit more. So the ornaments I did, I think for eight years, I continued, like after I went to that first trade show, I just started booking trade shows. Like I did the craft fairs and I mm -hmm. went all across the country to the, like, you know, the, the, I would just got back from the Las Vegas market and they have them in various places. So we went, I tried to stick to coastal areas because my ornaments were coastal themed. So I went to San Francisco and the East coast and, um, I just continued to write orders and and create um, a base, a customer base that would reorder the ornaments for me. From me, um, luckily, I got a lot of reorders. They would sell through and they would order again. And so I kind of created. It was all of the all of these years of like, I think they have really everything God had in mind so that I could help other creative people. Because what happened is you make an ornament and then when you have to make 5,000, it's no longer fun. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> the first idea, it's like, oh, look at this pretty little thing that I made. Boy, that was fun. And then, yay, people want to buy it. And then, oh my gosh, I don't want to make 5,000 ornaments. So, um, I was, I felt like a human factory and I was just doing the same thing over and over again. It no longer felt creative. And so then I started, but that was money that I needed to pay my bills. And I didn't have to be a school teacher after all. So I didn't want to go back. I knew very, I knew very strongly that I wasn't supposed to be a school teacher. So I started hiring women to help me with piecework. And then that's the business side. And it's like, no, I want to be an artist. I don't want to 
do the bookkeeping and figure out how much I owe in taxes and um, manage these women and tell them that they tied the bows wrong and, you know, all of these things <laughs> and order supplies. But I, I did stick with it for eight years. And then um, I finally got to the point where it's like, I am no longer happy doing this. And this is not what I had in mind. Um, so I, I got it in my head that if I opened a shop, then I could make different things every single day and I would get that joy back of creating and I wouldn't be a human factory anymore. Um, so that's what I set out to do. And I slowly, as my shop started to grow, I let go of the, that business and started not pursuing new customers. And, um, and then the, the trend for my ornaments was also dying down. So it was, you know, it was the direction that I needed to go in, but that was also another hard thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm store. sure. Yeah. Is it easy for you, Danielle, to own a No, store? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I love it. I love my job, but it is hard every day. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's extremely yeah. hard. You have to love it if you're going to do it, for sure. You do. There's a lot of moving pieces, and then there's a lot of people involved. And so there's there's an element of, like, holding on to your personality and your compassion for people and still recognizing that then every now and then there's these things you have to do for business purposes that aren't comfortable. And that's, mm -hmm. it's, it is. For me, that's, that's kind of the daily struggle is the, yes. the balancing that. And then of course, you know, marketing, yes. <laughs> constant marketing. <laughs> right. Right. You can't let a day go by that you're not trying to come up with something new because there's just so many options out there. So you've got to stay relevant and stay new. And it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But it's it is fun a lot of work. work. But it, it can be fun. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm like you. I wouldn't go back. Now that I'm here, I wouldn't go back for anything. But I did not. Um, it, I think it took me longer to, to find this for sure. Because after I got out of school, I had um, a couple of different, I guess, phases of my career. But I was working in other areas for at least 10 to 12 years before I knew that this was a direction I wanted to go in. So I'm just now really in the past three years, I guess, in this phase. And I do love it. And it's like, oh, I kind of wish I'd gotten here sooner. But it's like you said with the college um, experience as well, that like you learned a lot in college that you use, maybe not in the way that you thought you would, but you're using it. And that's how I feel about the first 10 years of my career. I learned a lot of things that I'm using now, just not in the way that I always thought I was going to be using it. So. Yes. I think that knowing in your heart that you absolutely don't want to turn back is essential for being an entrepreneur because it is it is hard and scary and um, even after years of building it you you have days where you wake up and question yourself and say should I be doing this should I go just get a job somewhere and you know why am I doing this so that determination and, and that knowing that this is where you're supposed to be is really really important <laughs> and it's all of those experiences that happened before you got to where you're at now um, were very necessary so that you'll, right. you'll keep taking one step ahead. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's true for all creatives, whether or not they're running a store or running their business online or, or wherever they're running their business. But, but yeah, the more, obviously the more people that you bring in, the bigger your business gets and the more people that you're working with every day. I think the more it's like, yep, I've got to stay on course and I've got to remember this is why I'm doing it. And like you said, that desire that's like, yeah, I'm not going back. There's only one right. place to go from here, and that's forward. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. So as you've added, obviously, so many things. I love. Um, we're gonna have your stuff linked up in the show notes. So anyone who hasn't checked out Debbie's YouTube page, you really need to. Her channel has so many awesome crafts. Um, she has lots of great furniture painting videos, of course, because she has the DIY paint. But she also has just all kinds of fun craft videos that aren't necessarily furniture related. Um, and you do so many different things. What, what is your favorite at this point? What is your favorite crafting medium, so to speak? Is it the furniture or is it some of the smaller things? Um, I love the crafts because I love furniture too, 
I mean, obviously I've done so many furniture painting videos, but for YouTube to make a piece of furniture will sometimes take me from, you know, the filming process and the editing process. Um, I'll spend three or four days on that piece of furniture and then edit for three or four days. So um, I want to get more videos out on YouTube. So the great thing about crafting is you can take a concept and shrink it down to something that you can do in a couple hours and show walk someone through like this is how dark and decrepit will work on raw wood and this is how you can use the paint and I'm also going to you know, cut this out with a jigsaw and do a little macrame and you can throw a whole bunch of stuff in and get that accomplished in a much shorter time. So I really love the crafts for that reason, because you can, you can add so much more to it where if you're painting a piece of furniture, it's going to take you a long time to get all that paint on. And if you're going to use anything else, there's, there's a lot, it's a much slower process. So I like the, the, it's not immediate gratification, but it's it's a faster way to kind of show people. And sometimes people just need a little project that they can do in a couple hours because they only have a couple hours. So yeah, um, I don't know. I I think for me the joy is coming up with something fun and new that no one maybe thought of before and inspiring them to go put their own twist on it. Um, something that like I can run out right now to the dollar store, grab that thing, and make that today. I, I love that. That's yeah. really fun. As well as the furniture. I just, I, I don't think I can narrow it down. <laughs> yes, I, I, like, I like it all. I can't pick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally okay too. So do you ever get stuck for an idea or are you just like a bottomless well um, for creative ideas? <laughs> I think because I've had my retail store for 22 years, um, and when I first opened it, I had, I was so naive. I had no idea what it took financially to fill up a shop. So my first store was 720 square feet. And I just thought, you know, I was used to making these ornaments by, you know, by the thousands. And I thought, yeah, I can fill up a shop. I can go get stuff out of the trash and I will just fill up this store and never have a lack for merchandise because in the eighties, Danielle, there was no social media. And so I was young and I thought, I just felt like I was one of a handful of people who were creative in the world <laughs> because I didn't see it out there other than in the magazines that you would buy at the grocery store. I just thought, oh, if people just knew how creative I am, I could have my own show on HGTV. And I, I made the assumption that there weren't very many people like me. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, now that we live in the world that we live in, obviously that's not the truth. There are creative minds everywhere and we can get inspiration from so many things. So that was like a lesson in pride that I had to learn. But um, what was your question? <laughs> oh, Shazam, do you ever run out oh, of ideas? Do you oh, ever get stuck? No, I don't because every single day I would have to fill that store and I would have to fill it with things that didn't cost very much money because I was on a very tight budget. So my entire mindset for years and decades was looking at things as what they could be. And so everywhere I'd go, everything I would look at, it's like, could I turn that into money? Could I flip that? Could I make that into something that I can sell so I can pay my bills? And it was do or die for me. It was sink or swim. I was running my store, just me. I didn't have any help. And so I was wearing all the hats, trying to pay the rent. And every single month, it felt like a reality TV show where it's like, will she pay the rent this month? You know, what is she going to do this time? How is she going to take something from the trash? Because sometimes I had $5 in my cash register. And I just, I put myself in this position where I knew I couldn't turn back, but also I had no money. And so it was just, I just felt like, you know, like those survive that show. I don't watch TV anymore, but like that survivor show where it's like, you're mm -hmm. on an Island, you got two sticks and a cup full of sand. What can you make? And that's how it felt every single day. And then I would make it and it would sell. And then it's like, the joy wasn't there because, oh, now you have to make something else because guess what? Your store is not filled with merchandise. You're working your tail off and it looks half full. And you've, you know, it was constantly a battle of trying to make the store look like a store that was full of things and 
not spend very much money because I didn't have it. So um, I think that that was, you know, that was a like almost like another form of college of learning how to be inspired and learning how to look at things for what they could be and and twist them and turn them. So now I, I still do that wherever I go. You know, you walk into the dollar store and you look at, you know, a big pool noodle and you're like, that's not a pool noodle. That's a giant pencil or whatever. You know, I'm just always thinking in those ways. And and I try to write down the ideas. So it's never a matter of what am I going to do next? It's more which one am I going to do next and which one makes sense for my YouTube channel and my business and the products that I'm trying to sell. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's makes perfect sense. Um, when you, when you are looking for a new idea, is that kind of what you do? You just go into a space and look around and go, okay, what's something that I can find to do something with, or how, how do you come up with new ideas? I use Pinterest a lot. So I always need some kind of reference point. Um, and I just really, I just try and write things down. So sometimes I'm scrolling through Facebook and there'll be an ad and it will just kind of like, I, I remember I was scrolling through Facebook and there was an ad for watercolor and the woman was making a watercolor painting out of it was a bumblebee, but it was made up of all these flowers. So with watercolor, she was painting flowers and then the end result was a bumblebee. And I was watching that and I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. And then I thought I could do that with transfers. I could cut up transfers and take all the flowers and turn them into a bumblebee. And so I'm like, that's a good idea because I could sell the transfers. I could sell my paint. I could paint a piece of furniture. That would be a great video for YouTube. So I wrote that down and I have a sketchbook and I made that video. So that's one way that inspiration can come. And I think you just have to kind of be open to inspiration being anywhere and everywhere. But my favorite way to get inspiration is to go to Pinterest. And so if I want to do something like, you know, if I see some beautiful piece of art that's boho and I love all the colors in it, like right now I saw, um, I love those like pinks, those pale pinks and corals and yellow and kind of the, the um, terracotta colors that are very boho-ish. Yeah. And um, I love the art that looks like sunsets and mountains. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I'll just go to Pinterest and I'll put in pink boho sunset because that's what I'm feeling. Like I want to do something like this. And then I just start instinctively pinning whatever jumps out at me and I'll create a private board because it's not going to make sense to anybody else. Like it just is so disconnected, but yeah. to me it makes sense and it's an inspiration board. And then I'll, I'll just look at it all. And I think it's just trusting whatever it is that you, that makes your heart sing, that makes you go, Oh, then you just kind of take a step in that direction. And it's like walking on lily pads and you'll get to that point where um, you see something and you get an idea. So a lot of times it's not my original idea. I just made a video with these wooden flip-flops that are candle holders. And I saw that on Pinterest. I'm like, I could totally make that. I've never seen anybody make that. So I made it and I say in my video, this is not you know, I didn't think of this. This is something yeah. that I saw on Pinterest and I'll, I'll pin the link below. So I think as long as you give credit to the original person, then it's okay to try and emulate somebody else's work. I do that all the time with um, artists who sell DIY mm -hmm. paint or other artists that I see. I'm just like, oh, I want to try that. Um, Ellen J. Mm -hmm. Goods just created a seashell planter with the seashell molds from IOD. And I'm like, I totally want to copy that. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to copy that as long as you say this idea was inspired by Ellen J. Goods. Right. So right. That, I mean, that's what I do for a living. I create things and I hoping that people will copy me. It's just right. a matter of giving credit. Right. Yeah. Right. And then um, I know the first time. So the first time that you and I actually met in person was at a workshop in Georgia. And I remember when we had the question and answer, that was one of my things. I'm like, what do you do when you know that the idea is not original, but you don't know where you saw it? Yeah. Because <laughs> when you're constantly like when you're constantly yeah. exposed to all this amazing creativity and then you're like, I know I saw this somewhere. 
but I don't remember where I saw it. And now I want to do it. And I don't know who to give credit to. And <laughs> you just say the truth. You say, I exactly. saw this somewhere. I saw this somewhere. I can't remember <laughs> where. But if anybody knows, put it in the comments below so we can exactly. give that artist credit. Exactly. Because yeah. we were... Um, I was down, we were doing something at the shop the other day and I said something and like, as I said it, I knew I'm, I'm quoting someone right now. I have no idea who it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was not an original idea. This was not an original thought, but you know, I just can't remember. But that to me, that sometimes is the really awesome thing about these creative communities that we're a part of is that we do like we share so much and there's so much good information out there. That it's like every now and then you do have to just say that it's like, look, there's a really smart person in one of these groups I'm in that said this thing. <laughs> and I can't even remember who it was now because everybody has such great ideas. You know, it's right. like everybody has so much to offer to the conversation at this point that it's just there's so much good stuff out there. And, you know, sometimes it is fun when you come up with something and you're like. I haven't seen this before. I feel like I did something new, but I always tell myself you probably saw it somewhere and you just don't realize that you saw it. You just don't remember that you saw it because, you know, they say sometimes there's nothing new under the sun and there may be a new way of doing something, but they're usually right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Most things have been done in some form or fashion somewhere and mm -hmm. you might see something and, and 10 years later it comes back to you. And it feels new. And then you realize, oh, that person that I met, you know, 10 years ago was doing something similar to this. That must be where that idea came from. But yeah. again, it's just really cool that there is so much, so much creativity in the world. I love, I, I love creative people. I love the ideas they put out there. It's just an exciting place, I think. It is. I do think that that there are, like, I've heard that term before, you know, well, there's no uh, new idea under the sun and it's a foreign, it's a compliment. And sometimes it doesn't always feel like a compliment. I think that like with music or the written word, there's copyright infringement because it's, it's an obvious piece of work that you cannot, you cannot copy to a T without getting permission or buying a license, mm -hmm. um, even with artwork, but with ideas that are loose and their concepts, it's just personal accountability. Yeah. And, um, you know, with, I have been painting furniture now. I started with a brand that was the second brand. Actually, I started with the first brand, Annie Sloan, the mm -hmm. first chalk paint brand. And so I think, uh oh, my earpiece just fell out. Um, I think that I've been painting furniture for seven, seven, maybe eight years now since the Annie Sloan craze started. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've always, I've seen a lot of furniture in seven years. It's pretty much my life. And for the longest time, People were just painting white furniture, a little bit of distressing or straight colors, or maybe they'd use stencils. But when Dion started blending, I know that I had never seen anything like it before. Mm -hmm. And I watched her and I, as an artist, it's like, I don't know her. I'm not going to call her and be like, tell me how you do it, you know, <laughs> but I wanted to. And I was yeah. obsessed and I was like taking her pictures and screenshotting them and blowing them up really big and trying to figure out what she was doing. And I, you know, I, again, I had that like, you can figure this out. You don't need to ask this girl. And I would try and fail and try and fail. And then um, I would follow her and I, I never commented. I didn't know who she was, but I could see all the comments. Please tell us, tell us how you do it, please, please. And she was just, at that time, she was very shy and quiet and her answers were usually pretty short. Thank you. Oh, I don't feel comfortable. You know, and I'm just like, she's so stingy. She needs to tell everybody how she does this. And then she did. And then all of a sudden there's this explosion of blended furniture. Like it did not take long. And so do you say to yourself at that point, there's nothing new under the sun, well, no, like people have blended on canvas, but I, and you know, you could make the argument, well, in, you know, 2005, this artist was doing it. Maybe they were, but for me to, to not give Dion credit as being someone who right. inspired me would be wrong. And right. it's just a matter of personal accountability, I think. And, um, 
you know, everybody, like it could be that somebody else blended too. I don't know, but I know for me, I need to give that artist credit. If I see something from another artist, maybe they got it from somebody else and somebody else and somebody else, but this is what I need to do. And that's what I would encourage other artists, you know, just to be honest, just say, I don't know where I saw this or I saw it here and now I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I do completely agree with that because um, you're right as far as how the color was being used on furniture. It, I, you, I think you're right because she was definitely the first person that I saw doing that. Um, yeah, and and found it on Pinterest. <laughs> I mean, you know, like that was that was how yeah. I stumbled across it, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, there wasn't really anybody around here doing it, and then yeah, more people started different different styles, but kind of based off of that for sure. Yeah, no, I, I do totally agree with that. Um, I work with a lot of folks who are, well, I work with a lot of folks that are creating art, but I also work with a lot of folks that are just creating product, right? Like, you know, soaps and candles and things like that. And like, I think a lot of people start to get to that point sometimes that they're like, I mean, I know someone else did it, but there's no other way to do it. And so for me, for those situations, especially, I'm like, that's okay. You just do it and you do it your way. And Mm -hmm. if there's credit to be given, you give the credit. And if not, then you just do it. And you don't worry about the fact that somebody else is doing it. If you love it, you Mm -hmm. do it. (laughs) You just just run with it. But, um, But yes, no, you're totally right when there's something like that. And you know, especially when you know that you know where you saw it. You mm-hmm. certainly should be giving credit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't know what motivates people to not give credit. I think sometimes it just doesn't occur to them. You know, everyone yeah. comes from a different place. Um, but if you see something and you're, and you're totally inspired to just copy it, like with Ellen J goods and this pot that I want to make, um, <laughs> A person may be wanting to copy something and just be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want somebody to know that I didn't think of this. I would really like for people to think that I thought of this. You're missing out because if you do see something from another artist and you say, hey, I was so inspired by this artist. Here is a link to her channel. Guess what? That artist is most likely going to share your work too. And there's just, there's that community and that connection that you can make with another artist. And instead of that artist seeing, you know, seeing and knowing that you copied them and didn't give them credit and feeling bad, they're going to feel complimented and good. And it's like, oh, someone was inspired enough to go out and, um, take from my piece and make something. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to share that this, you know, it just, you can take something that can feel totally bad and crappy and turn it into something that's building other artists up and creating a connection and, and um, connection is what it's all about. Connection it ties really us is. together and creativity ties us together. Yes. So I, yes. One hundred percent. That is, I, when, I'm just sitting here nodding right now. Like, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes, and and you know, and I think sometimes you were saying that like why people don't give credit, and I do think that there's some people that don't. They like you said, this is probably a little bit of tangent, but um, they don't give credit because maybe they they don't want to admit that this wasn't their idea. I also think <laughs> that you know, social media is a powerful marketing tool. So I'm, I don't usually talk bad about it because I'm like, you know what, if a free platform has been given to me, I'm going to use it. And I'm not going to get mad when they tell me how I have to use it. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you're in multiple places and you kind of, you start feeling like you're repeating yourself. I think there's a lot of people that maybe don't realize they haven't given credit because they're like, Oh, but I said this. And they don't realize Mm -hmm. that you said it here, but you didn't say it here. And so these people didn't hear what you said over there. And I think that that is one thing that for a lot of creatives that I talk to, they get overwhelmed in general with this idea of, okay, I need to remember to say all the things in all the places, right? Because the people who are connecting with me on Facebook might not be connecting with me on Instagram or on Pinterest or wherever. And so, yeah, I think um, the organization can become a factor there. Yes. Remembering what you have and haven't done. So the more that I do, the more that I see how difficult that can be. And it gives me a little more, I don't know, I give people more benefit of the doubt lately. (laughs) 
Yeah, I assume that they're probably yeah. just overwhelmed. <laughs> right. Never jump to an assumption about right. someone. And I right. I think we see that on social media a lot. You you know, especially um especially as you grow your grow your platform, like people will make assumptions and they have no idea what they're talking about. I posted a picture from two years ago, a gathering of women from one of the events because I was trying to promote a new event. And I got comments, I can't believe you're not wearing a mask. And it's like, this was before COVID. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, lady, I wasn't, you know, I was not trying to offend anyone. I just was trying to promote my event. And um, so many times I see people jumping to conclusions that aren't true. And so, yeah, giving people the the benefit of the doubt is definitely really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So do you feel like, I mean, I, I say this, I feel like, you, I feel like you have a really good sense of what's trending and, and, and not like just because it's trendy, but like you have a good finger on the pulse of the types of things that people want to see. Do you think that that is just because you're spending so much time creating and so much time around people, you know, who were consumers or do you feel like, you've been studying this for so long now as a business owner that you've learned how to spot that? Um, That is a really good question because this is something (laughs) that I tell people that I coach in my, um, in my YouTube coaching group and that I tell the DIY retailers, I don't spend time studying what other people like or what's trending. And maybe I should, um, when it comes to titling my videos, like there's a tool that you can use for tags and titles, what's trending so that your videos will get more views. But trusting trusting who you are and what you gravitate towards is what I have always done. And I just trust, like, have you ever been in, been in a house and then you've had to move and you have to take all your stuff from one house to the next and Oh, oh my gosh, it sort of magically fit together. Like 80, 90% of it just works in this house too. It's because you're trusting your instinct and trusting that who you are is good enough. And so I was saying the other day, there's farmhouse style. And I love the farmhouse style, but it doesn't give me that joy that the boho style gives me and the colorful style or the funk. Like, I don't even know what you would describe um, my brand, I think of it as the first word I think of is fun. So I want it to be fun and make you laugh, but also be boho, but not to be lighthearted, but not kid like, you know, and so it's like in my heart, I know all these things that I want to put out, but there may not be a label on it. Um, and so with farmhouse style, I can get tempted and go, oh, I should totally just switch to farmhouse style because that's what trending and everybody loves white and you sell more white furniture than you do rainbow colored furniture, but that's not me. I love it and I'm tempted to go there, but I have to trust that the people who are like me will find me and that I am good enough. And even within farmhouse style, There's Joanna Gaines farmhouse style. There's Jamie Ray farmhouse style. So if you love farmhouse style, you'll put your own spin on it. And so I don't ever, like when I went to um, the Vegas market to buy items for my store, um, I've been doing this for 20 years. So even back when I opened the first store and I had this much money, um, I would have a little bit of money to go to market. And I would just buy those things that I personally went, ha! And I just trusted and I, my mom would shop with me and she's like, well, where are we going to put this? Well, how is this going to fit with the other thing? And how are we going to display this? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I know that I love. And that if I love it, like, you know, that you have those pair of shoes in your closet and you love them. And when you put them on, people are like, oh my gosh, those shoes. Did you research what's trending with shoes? Did you like think about it too much? Did you just go, well, how is, how are these, when you saw those shoes on the shelf, are you like, will these go with this dress? Will these, you know, I, my mind just doesn't work that way. I just instinctively go after what I truly love. And I think every artist 
that you see that has branded themselves strongly, they're just chasing after their instincts and the way that God made them and trusting that they are enough. And that's how that's how creativity develops. That's how new ideas come about. Dion, when she was blending that furniture, wasn't like, oh, this is trending. This is what I should do. She just wanted to spray water on her paint and see what would happen. And it took off. And if we all were just chasing after, like, this is the, you know, like when um, the Pantone people say, this is the color of the year. It's like, yeah. well, I may not like that color. <laughs> Who cares? Just go after the color that you love. And if you love that color, bonus points, because they're going to push that color out. But I never... I never let my brain go that way too much. I mean, we all have self-doubts and, you know, if, if something I put out there that I think is amazing doesn't do really well, I may question myself and be like, you should have painted it white or you should have, you know, done what's trending on YouTube right now. You just spent two weeks on this video and it's not getting very many views, but there's always a balance. And in the long run, if you're consistent and you keep putting out what you love, um, it will pay off. All hard work pays off. Heartfelt hard work will pay off. And it's funny that you say that, you know, you're asking me that question because I'm like, <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I truly don't. I just like, I know what I like and I trust what I like. And mm -hmm. I just, I go after that when I see it, when mm -hmm. I see something that's amazing, I'm like this, this, and then I put it out and it's like, do you like green eggs and ham? Do you like it this way? Do you like it this way? And I, <laughs> I just trust that it's, it's going to be amazing because God gave me um, taste and desires and an affinity for things. And I know there's other people that will feel the same yeah. way. And that makes sense. That reasoning makes sense. You just, you follow your instincts and you find things that you love. And it turns out that the people who like your brand and like the things that you like, in turn, have a tendency to love those things that you found that you love. So it's not necessarily about studying a trend per se. It's just more about trusting your gut. And then sometimes it seems like it's a trend just because when you're trusting your gut, then the people who are on brand with you are also going to be loving that thing. Yeah. And there's, um, there's a motivation, motivational speaker. I'm going to try and give him credit right now. Hopefully I'm saying the right person. I think his name is Simon Sinek. And he says, people don't buy what you sell, they buy why you sell it. So if you are truly selling things that you love and you you let your personality come through and you connect with people, they will follow you maybe even if you're not right on point with what they like. So I can see something that Jamie Ray makes that's totally white and gray and black and, and not really my color palette, but I can see her idea and be inspired by it and turn take that thing that she built or made and make it boho. So I follow people that aren't necessarily right exactly where I'm at as far as my taste, but I like them and I like what they stand for and I can still take inspiration from them. So it's just really like, it's just really having confidence in the way that you were made and that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and that what you have to offer is um, valid and valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So in that vein, you know, we're talking about creativity and how to grow creativity and be aware of what you're doing and that kind of thing. But you, you're also an excellent storyteller. That's part of what makes your YouTube channel so great. I know that's what you teach us about creating, you know, interesting content and interesting videos is the aspect of storytelling. Um, but there is there's a level of creativity even in that. How do you decide? So I'm asking this as another creative how do you decide sometimes when a story is worth telling? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like there are stories will just pop up. Like I have another journal for story ideas. And there are some stories that are really hard to tell. Um, but I like you. This is a hard one because you never know when a story is going to be a good idea to share or not. But usually if you're going through, like most of my stories are something that were a struggle that I overcame and I want to share. Oh my gosh, this happened to me and it was so crappy, but guess what? I worked my way out of it and you can too. So like the basic story arc 
in everything that you see on television or in a book or even in a commercial is you have a character, they want something, they're trying to go after something, but there's all these things in the way that they have to overcome and then they're changed by the process. Whether they get that thing that they want or not, it's the journey that they go through. So, you know, like I always use the example of you want people to root for you and be invested in who you are. So it's not just about painting that piece of furniture or that project. So um, DIY, the very nature of DIY is a story arc. So you have this piece of furniture that's ugly, that's maybe broken down and cracked and chipped, and it wants to be pretty. And so you have to do all of these things to get it to the pretty stage. And so even if you're not comfortable like telling a personal story in your life, you can turn that DIY into a story. You can take them and add B-roll and just say, you know, if you see a piece of furniture on the side of the road that's free, everybody loves that. So when you're driving down the road and you see that, get out your phone and get some video clip of you putting that in your car and talk about what you're feeling. Like one time I saw this amazing thing, but I had just got a new car and I bought the car to put furniture in. I purposely went out and found a car that would be good for hauling furniture. And here I am driving down the road and I see this big piece of furniture and it's totally dirty and gross. I'm like, that's amazing, but I don't want to get my car dirty. So like just bringing people into the emotion of the process of of creating something, you know, you film that clip and then you talk to the camera and say, I really wanted to put this in my car, but I didn't want to get my car dirty. And sure enough, I scratched my bumper and I was so <laughs> bummed about that. So that's just a way, that's like the beginning, you know, it's like, I'm the character. I want that free piece. I have to get that dirty ratty thing in my brand new car and then I have to paint it and I have to do all the things. And so that's a way of telling a story or, you know, it could be something more personal where um, the example that I use is, you know, the guy meets the girl, but she's already engaged to another guy. And so she's not supposed to be with that guy and this guy and her, the other guy, she's supposed to be with the other guy. And so the guy is trying to, you know, stop the relationship that's not meant to be and he's running into the church and he is he going to stop the wedding in time oh my god go run faster that's what you that's the purpose of storytelling is that you bring people in they connect with you and they it's more than just painting a piece or creating something because they have that saying you know, it's about as exciting as watching paint dry. Well, that is not <laughs> exciting. So how do you take something like that and make it exciting and bring people in? You do it by playing up the story element to what you're doing. And I think every artist can relate to they get an idea. They want to do it. They're super excited about it. Boy meets girl. Ah! And then you're like, OK, let's go. And then it go, you know, things go wrong. And it's like, oh, this is not turning out the way that I want. And we want to hide those things when we are giving our tutorial, even in, you know, if you're writing a post or you're writing a blog post or a video, whatever it is, you, you're like, oh, I'm going to cut all that out because nobody wants to see me struggle. Well, no, the opposite is true. People want to go on that ride with you because we all struggle. And so you want to to add value to what you're doing by don't do this. I did it this way. And that was that I had to sand it all down and start again. So you're helping your viewer avoid those pitfalls and they're going on the ride and they're like, is she going to be able to paint this piece of furniture? Is it going to turn out the way she wanted? Or is she going to burn it in a bonfire? Even if you do end up burning it in a bonfire in your backyard, that would be a great entertaining video because it's real life and it's truth. So I always just try to, um, again, like with my ideas, I have my Pinterest boards and sometimes like a story will pop up from a long time ago, like I was sitting in church and listening to the preacher talk and all of a sudden I thought, oh, I've never shared the story of how I even became a Christian and I'm going to do that in, because it was a funny story of how I became a Christian. And so I just made a note to tell that story in one of my videos and I just sprinkled it in there and I'm glad that I did. But it like it brings people in and they know who I am and why I believe what I believe because it all goes back to people don't buy what you sell, they buy why you sell it. And so granted, you know, when I say, oh, I'm a Christian, 
there is going to be some people who are like, well, I'm not, and I don't want to know about that. But you have to trust who you are and who you are is good enough. And people will either love you or they won't. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 None, but of, you're none putting of us meaning... were created to be for everyone. Right. Right. And that's just watered down milk toast if you're trying to be all things to all people. Right. Yeah. So would you say then that every story is worth telling? It's just a matter of how you choose to tell it. Yes, absolutely. I think sometimes there's too much information that maybe you don't want to share. Like, you know, you definitely, you want to be true to yourself and what you believe, but I wouldn't dive into like politics (laughs) or, you know, hot button topics on the news, like the virus. I I just wouldn't go there because you want to connect people. You don't want to divide people. So you want to tell a story in a way that is bringing people together. I think we have so much divide and I think a lot of the divide is on purpose. And if you look at even people on opposite ends of very hot button topics, I have a friend who is totally polar opposite in his views politically than me, but we've known each other for 15 years. And I know that he loves people. He loves our country. He wants, you know, the next generation to grow up in a safe, wonderful place, but we just don't see eye to eye. But what we do have in common is our passion for wanting to, to, make the world better. So if you can look under all of the other things and understand that you're trying to create a connection, um, Mm -hmm. that's what you want to keep at the heart of everything that you do and every story that you tell. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone just yesterday and we were talking about that very thing. And the fact that if we would, if we could all remember to start our conversations based on the things we agree on, Mm -hmm. it would be a lot easier to talk about the things we don't agree about. But when we start with things that we know we don't agree with people on, it's hard to get back to the root of what makes us the same, where the connection point is. Um, But if we we start with the connection point, it makes everything else easier. Yes. So. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, um, are you familiar with the Enneagram? I've heard of it, but I have never, I've never looked into that. You've never gotten into it. So you don't know your type or anything. Okay. No. (laughs) <laughs> I always ask because I I love it. I'm I'm a little obsessed with it. And so I always want to know, do you know what your type is? But um. you know <laughs> I I geek out that way. Um I studied psychology when I was in school. And so mm. like how people tick, it's fascinating for me. I didn't end up doing anything with it, but it's still something that I love. <laughs> I do love um I love understanding why people buy things and what motivates them and um, the psychology behind things like on YouTube, you can go into your analytics and it will give you a bar graph of where people dropped off or where they may have rewound and watched it again. And you can see like this timeline of, oh, when I said this, everybody was paying attention. When I did this, a lot of people left my video and got bored. And so I love that psychology of why people watch and how to keep them watching. I've just never looked into that particular thing, but it is really interesting, like the um, humanity and what draws people in. And usually it's, it's, um, you know, it's based on things that based on our creator and things that have been around forever and, you know, your Mm -hmm. basic principles of, you know, love one another and, and connect and be honest and all of those, all of those things. All of those things. All of those things. That's right. (laughs) We're created by a fascinating creator and therefore we are fascinating creations. Absolutely. Um, True true of human life and true of all creativity, really. I mean, you know, the more, the more fascinating and creative the creator, the more interesting the creation is going to be. Um, are you reading any good books right now? Um, I, let's see. I, I used to be an avid reader. I used to be the kid that walked around with the book and would bump into things. My eyesight is not what it used to be. So I listen to a lot of, um, I listen to a lot of things on YouTube or in podcasts. Um, the Chosen series is what I'm obsessed with right now. 
And um, there is also a pastor that I love to listen to on YouTube. His name is Andy Woods, and he he goes through different books of the Bible and breaks them down. And so um, he's going through Genesis right now, which is so interesting because that is the creation story. Mm-hmm. And um, I never thought of Genesis as a book that was really even that important to the Bible. <laughs> Wrong. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, like there's so many things in the books of, in the book of Genesis that, you know, relates to creativity and life and our purpose here. And so that is fascinating to me, his Genesis series and um, also the chosen. And I don't know that I, oh, else i'd have to look at my phone and see what i have on audible (laughs) that um that i but now you you do listen to a lot of podcasts right i do i do what's your favorite podcast um for a long time my favorite podcast was how i built this it's with guy Roz, and he it's all business stories of how big brands came to be i love the origin stories of things and how why and how people started their their idea and built it and made it a household name i just i love the stories the real human stories behind the brand um one of my favorite ones is the woman who started the Spanx underwear. Yes. And how she how she promoted that. Um, she tells the story of going to the buyer for, I think it was Nordstrom's. It was a big department store. And she was trying to explain what Spanx were because Spanx were not a thing yet. And the woman was just like, the buyer was like, no, I'm not getting it. I don't feel it. And she's like, can I have five minutes with you in the bathroom? And she's like, what? <laughs> you know, she goes, trust me. And so she was wearing white pants and she went into the bathroom and put the spanks on and like before and after. And then that's all that it took. And the woman bought the spanks and then, um, you know, then it was, that was the jumping off point for her brand and how it took off from there. But those real stories are what I, I just absolutely love how people take some, some little idea and turn it into an actual brand that's recognized and, and scaled. Love yeah, the, love that podcast. Yeah, I, li- I I listened to that episode too, and I thought I was I was the same way. I was like, "This is awesome! I love doing this. <laughs> this just it puts a whole new light on everything. I love it." Yes, yes. Um, and then, so the last question I always ask everybody, just because it's fun to hear people's answers. If like if time and money and resources, if none of that was of any consequence, where would you go tomorrow? Where would I go tomorrow? Um, I would like what place geographically would I go to? I don't. However, however I guess you Israel. Want to answer the question actually, Israel. Okay. Yeah, I you know especially now like it doesn't seem like a possibility anytime soon with what's yeah. going on over there. But yeah. I would love to see. Um, especially after watching The Chosen, like they bring the Bible to life. I would love to see, you know, where Jesus walked and all of those historical places from the first century, I think would be pretty amazing. My stepdad got to go um, several years ago now, but he, and he took some pictures and, you know, wrote a lot of of entries and we got to like see the pictures and hear his stories and stuff. And it was really cool. So I think that would be an awesome choice. It was really, really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I I like hearing how people answer that question because it's always different. It's always for different reasons. I've had people who have told me places within the United States. I have people who have told me far off places that are like really like expensive tourist places. And then I have answers Mm -hmm. like yours, which are, yeah, it's traveling, but it's for a different, it's more meaningful reason. And I don't know. It's just always interesting to hear people's answers to that question. Yes. Well, Debbie, thank you for doing this with me today. This has been a lot of fun getting to know you better and really talking about, I mean, the business side of creativity, because, you know, we all have creativity in us. But when you take it and you you live in it to the point that you've created a livelihood out of it, it's just a little bit different. And, and pretty much everyone listening to this podcast is sort of aiming for that in some way or another. So thank you for, for talking to me today. It's absolutely my pleasure. My pleasure. I love your podcast. I was listening to the episode with Dion right before we got on and it's it's such a great 
great podcast. I would encourage everyone to listen. And if I could leave with just these words to trust your instinct, I think it's just a balance of trusting that you're enough and that um, what you like and what gets you excited is enough. Walk in that direction, but then also, you know, get the tools so that you can share um, share what it is that you love. So it's it's a balance between understanding, like for me, I, you know, I have all these great ideas, but if I had never taken the time to sit down and learn how to edit a video when I'm not a tech savvy person, I wouldn't be able to build and share in the way that I do. So it's a balance between learning those things that may not be fun to learn so that you can use them like power tools to get your ideas out, um, yeah. which is a struggle to this day. Like just yesterday, we were trying to learn new software. Um, the Slack software. Have you heard of that? I have. Yeah. And it helps everyone communicate within a business. And Ellie was saying to me, oh, this is going to take two hours to figure out. And I said, yeah, but it will save way more than two hours in the long run. And so we don't want to stop and learn those new things sometimes, but um, those things are also important. The boring things, yeah. boring things are important so yeah. that you can, so that you can get your message out and share your ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Danielle. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Remember to check out the Makers Chat community so you can dive deeper into the conversation. You'll find the link to join in our show notes. Have a beautiful week and we will chat again soon.